a volcano erupting in the open jaw of a shark. As Lydia Susi leaned into the monitor, one half of her brain identified the image for what it was, a PET CT scan of the chest of a 29-year-old male with extensive stage small cell lung cancer. The cross-section, which cut the patient's ribcage in horizontal slices, showed the tumors in the right lung, which seemed bigger to her, and two new masses on the left side. Given that this was both positron emission tomography with F-fluorodeoxyglucose in conjunction with computed tomography, the growths were well visualized, but also appearing as hotspots, given the highly metabolically active abnormal cells. It was a very clear and helpful diagnostic picture of a dying man's respiratory landscape, and yet, her PhD in biology aside, as well as forgetting about the last six months of looking at similar images, she was nonetheless struggling to stay connected to what she was looking at and what it all meant, i.e., that the traditional immunotherapy, just like the chemotherapy, hadn't worked. Daniel, she whispered as the doctor beside her queued up the next cut and continued to drone on. Instead of properly processing any of the information, her brain continued to treat the slideshow as a Rorschach test of avoidance, her thoughts skipping away from the grim news to pull random pictures out of the oblong frame of red-tinted shadows and yellow and orange clouds. It wasn't stage four cancer run amok, no, absolutely not. It was a first-generation video game where you could drop a crudely pixelated soldier onto an alien planet and use the boulders of tumor growth to take cover behind while blocky monsters chunked around and tried to eat you. No, wait. It was a plate in a psychedelic buffet line, with only the baby new potatoes, part of the Grateful Dead entree, having been spooned on. How about Jackson Pollock in his little-known oncology period? Sofa slipcover pattern? Bowl of fruit? The visual extrapolation that finally stuck was that of a volcano her mental cracked-up Krakatoa seated where the spine formed a little triangular notch on the bottom of the chest cavity's slice, the ghostly point of the vertebra seeming to launch an eruption that was tinted with that angry Kool-Aid red and the comic strip yellow and the autumn hearth orange, the whole of it contained within an outline that reminded her of that scene in Jaws when Chief Brody goes to Quince to hire the contractor to kill the shark all those boiled, open jawbones hanging around, their graceful contours like the shape of the ribcage. Here's to swimming with bow-legged women. I beg your pardon? Lydia looked over at the white-coated doctor who'd been talking at her. Given that the man was staring over in surprise, she'd clearly shared that little ditty about genuvarum out loud. And what do you know? She hadn't properly processed him either. Trying to remember his name, she failed. And if she had to describe him ten minutes from now, she knew she'd suck at that too. Then again, he had anonymous looks. His thinning brown hair, side-parted. His unremarkable eyes, myopic behind rimless glasses. His facial features, functional rather than attractive. With his surgical scrubs hanging loose on a thin, non-athletic body, it was like his IQ was so high, his brain co-opted all of the available nutrients and calories out of his digestive tract before they ever got a chance to fill him out.
The one thing she did know about him, and that she would never forget, was that he was a brilliant oncologist. Sorry, she mumbled. Please continue. He pointed to the screen with the tip of his Mont Blanc pen, the little white star on the top making the rounds of the tumor growth like a fly trying to decide where to land. As you can see here, the primary site has increased by... Yeah, yeah, she knows that already. As the booming voice cut through the narrative, Lydia thought, thank God. Turning away from the monitor, she clung to the eyes of the man who marched up to them. Augustus St. Clair was unlike every other researcher and clinician, standing well over six feet tall, with an afro and a wardrobe that consisted solely of T-shirts from the 60s. He looked like someone who belonged in Jimi Hendrix's band. Instead, he was the leader of this privately financed facility that was exploring medical advances well under the radar of the Food and Drug Administration.